Heavenly Father, we come and we open our hearts. <clears throat> we, we ask that you um, bring your spirit into this place. God, we ask that you, um, that you whisper uh, into those places in our lives and in our minds, in our hearts, uh, that desperately need your voice this morning. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit in a powerful and real way, a way that is transformative to how we live and how we move and how we have our being in this life. Lord, you care deeply for us and you love us. And God, uh, it is through you that all things are possible and that we find our hope. God, as we walk out of here today, may we be a people who find hope in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, so today, I wanna, I'm going to read again our New Testament passage, and uh, it's uh, the, the story, you're probably familiar with it if you've been around the church a little bit. It's the, the story of Mary and Martha, as we've already heard. Uh, and this is one of those that, so I encourage you routinely uh, to really put yourself into the characters and into the story uh, that we read, right? Uh, so uh, in this case, this is, and I, I'll say, I should say too, uh, in both the, the characters who are getting it right and the characters who are not quite getting it right. And we've got both of those today. We've got a Mary and a Martha, and, and Martha doesn't quite get it right, and Mary does. And uh, if you know the story well enough, then uh, this might be one of those places where you really can sympathize with Martha. Uh, I imagine at least half of the room, if not more, in this room, because I know you all, uh, really uh, can resonate with some of Martha's frustration. Let's go ahead and read uh, that passage together. It's from Luke chapter 10 and starts in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but just one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but let's start with the Martha side of this. I certainly find some resonance and what happens to Martha, right? I imagine, we, we can all imagine, in fact, uh, a scene uh, after we exit the church building today, uh, and there, the, the, the church is abuzz uh, outside, and everybody's helping and, and serving and doing, and then you've got just like, uh, like one person kind of sitting there just on their haunches and just doing nothing, right? And, and it might be easy to, to look at that person and say, hey, come on, get it together. Help out already, right? 
Uh, there's a certain American work ethic uh, that is part of uh, our uh, like ingrained desire there. Uh, part of this is, I think, the ethic of uh, our church is a, is a servant-based uh, ethic, and it's a good thing. But in this case, with Martha, well, she's asking something of Mary that, well, maybe she shouldn't be, or, or at least Jesus says, well, Mary has chosen the better option. And so it's possible, again, if you're a little like me, that not only can you sympathize with Martha's place and, and Martha's frustration, but you might even be the kind of person who thinks about Mary just sitting there at the feet of Jesus, not helping with Martha, not serving and you might feel some resentment build up inside because this has happened to you enough. Perhaps uh, the mothers in the congregation might feel this uh, in a way uh, more than others uh, as they wish their children kind of helped out and, and did more, or, or maybe their husbands uh, help out and did more, or, I mean, it, uh, perhaps I'm being sexist, and, and the roles can certainly be reversed, but you get the idea that Mary, she's there at the feet of Jesus, relaxing and learning from the Master. But Jesus, he seems to diagnose immediately some of the troubles with Martha's way of thinking. And he says to her, he says, Martha, Martha. He says it twice, right? Which means he's really, he, he wants Martha to pay attention. He says, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. You are anxious you're troubled about many things. And he hits the nail on the head, right? This is a diagnosis of our age. We live in a troubled and anxious time, do we not? Where our minds are scattered and thinking about the many things. We are anxious. We are a troubled people. It's interesting to me that Jesus focuses on the many things, right? Why is she anxious and she's troubled? Well, because her focus is divided. Her attention is divided. Her heart is divided. Her efforts are even divided. And the narrator of this story, Luke, says that she was distracted by her serving. And she becomes distracted. She has Jesus in her house, and she becomes distracted by all of the many things that have to happen. And I want to say, welcome to my life most days, right? I, I, and I imagine you say the same thing. Welcome to my life most days. I have this opportunity on a daily basis to make the one thing the one thing, and the main thing the main thing, and instead I often get distracted. I can even say, as your pastor, who's like a professional Christian, 
<laughs> right? <laughs> that I will walk in on a daily basis into my office and I will sit down and I will uh, put a piece of paper on my desk and I will write out, these are the things that have to happen this day. And if I'm not careful, if I don't put prayer at the top of that list, if I don't put scripture reading at the top of that list, then it may not get done. I have a sense that uh, you might be able to resonate with that, that, that that is possibly your life as well. And I want to encourage you this morning in a different direction, otherwise. Not, I, I don't want to encourage you to, to uh, embrace that, I want to encourage you to say, well, Jesus is telling us there is a better way. There's a better way, right? And so there is something about Mary. She gets it right here. In verses 41 and 42, this is how the conversation goes. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, he said. Just one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, and I'm not going to take that away from her. It's worth asking, of course, what's the one thing? <laughs> what, what is that one thing? So uh, if Martha's chosen the many things, and she's been distracted by it, what has Mary chosen that is that one thing? And, and perhaps the answer is obvious, She's sitting there learning at the feet of the master. She's sitting there with Jesus himself. She's sitting there being transformed by the creator of the universe who's in the room with her. And she's becoming more Christ-like through it. I think that is the answer. Interestingly, though, this is not the only place in Scripture where we see this idea of there's just, there's just one thing necessary. In fact, our Old Testament passage for today had the same idea. And, and David, a man after God's own heart, this is what he's called. We, we all know the faults and the failures of David, right? And yet, somehow, some way, he gets called a man after God's own heart. And why, I submit to you, it's because of passages like we read for today. Because David can say things like, one thing have I asked for, right? One thing, there it is again. One thing have I asked for of the Lord. And what is that one thing that he will seek after? It says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I do, I genuinely wonder if Luke, as he's writing his gospel, and as Jesus is saying uh, what he's saying uh, to Martha, and he's saying this one thing is necessary, if he doesn't have in his mind this passage right here. Because this is what Mary is doing, is it not? Mary is indeed dwelling in the house of the Lord in that moment with the Lord. And she is gazing upon the beauty of the Lord in that moment. And she's even inquiring of the Lord in that moment. One thing have I asked for, David says. 
one thing Mary does. But there's more. If you were to turn with me, uh, and, and, and we found uh, later on in Luke, I believe it's chapter 22, in the, the rich young ruler, he does everything, it seems, uh, right. He does all of the commandments correctly, right? This is, at least this is what he says. Uh, he has all things, right? He is, he is rich. He has all the money he could ever want. He is young. He's a ruler. He has all the power he could want. And Jesus' response to him is this. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. It's the one thing you need. You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. There it is, the one thing. Come follow me. All those other things, you thought you needed them, and you thought those were the things necessary, but I'm telling you there's just one thing you need. Come follow me. Lastly, another example for you, there is the man born blind in John chapter 9, and he's born blind, and from birth uh, to the point he meets Jesus, he lives a life of blindness. His disciple, Jesus' disciples uh, ask the man, who sinned? Like, why is he like this? And, he, and Jesus says, uh, well, Jesus heals him, uh, and uh, the Pharisees and, and uh, the people in power around them, uh, well, they don't believe that Jesus uh, is either able to do this or has the authority to do this, or, or maybe he's done it with uh, an evil authority. And so there's all sorts of questions being asked, and, and they keep grilling this blind man, right? And they keep asking him, who did this, and, and how did it happen? And finally, the man says this in verse 24 of John 9. So for the second time, this group of Pharisees calls the man who had been blind and, and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner and the man answered this. He says, whether he's a sinner, I, I don't know. That's not my business. He says, one thing I do know. One thing. I was blind. And after being with this man, now I see. One thing. I know one thing. Well, this man knows a lot of things in life, right? But he says there's really just one thing worth knowing. One thing. I was blind because of Jesus, now I see. We live in a world that seems to be spinning out of control. Uh, last week, uh, there was a host of issues internationally going on. Most of those are still going on, right? Uh, right now, however, there's a, uh, a new hurricane, and it's, it's about to hit the coast of Louisiana. And it seems that we just can't uh, get out of this spinning world that we're in. And I don't know, I said it last week, what your personal lives are like, but they too might be spinning out of control. And there's all sorts of distractions out there for you. And when the world is spinning in this kind of way, it's important that we have some sort of, of, of due north, like a north star, 
that we can point to and that we can walk toward when everything else seems crazy, right? Have you ever had the experience, I hope you've never had the experience, I should say, where you've been so sick that you're, you're literally like crawling on the floor and you just need to like get to your bed. That's the due north. I ju- if I can just get myself, like, and everything else in the room at that point disappears, right? It, none of it matters. They're all distractions, but that one thing, me getting into that bed so I can fall asleep and be okay in the morning when I wake up. Like, have you ever, it's just me. Um, so, knowing that due north, that, that north star, having that direction, having that one thing that when everything else is spinning out of control, we can always come back to that one thing is critical. And Jesus gives it to Mary in this moment. And it's sitting at his feet. And David gives it to us. It's inquiring in his temple. And it's gazing on the beauty of the Lord. There's just one thing. Here's what we cannot walk away from our uh, time together today saying, however. You see, uh, there might be a tendency to say that, well, Jesus is saying that that's all that is needed. There is just one thing necessary, and there is truth to that, right? But in how many other places does Jesus go out there and say, well, actually, you do need to serve those who are in need. You need to uh, help the person who is down and out. You need to serve the least of these. He'll even say in, uh, later on in Luke, he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. And he's pointing to his disciples here. Not so with you. Rather, let the greatest become uh, uh, as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is uh, the greater, one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as one who serves? And Jesus goes out, and this is part of his message, right? Is to be servants to the world, to those around us. And so we have to be able to hold these two things together. There is one thing, and we're supposed to be people who serve. The problem is when Martha's service becomes a distraction from the main thing. You see it? When her, when her service and, and when her doing and, and going and, and, and coming and, and, and making sure that all of the places are set and making sure that the pillows look right and making sure that the floor was vacuumed and, and doing all of the other things becomes a distraction from the one main thing. It, and it's so easy for life to be like that, is it not? It's so easy. As a church, 
we have five values. Uh, our council met yesterday and, and we talked about a lot of things, but we talked uh, uh, at one point about these five values uh, and to just run you through them, uh, they are we are grounded in the person and work of Christ. We, we talk about our discipleship. We talk about our outreach. We talk about being a family. We talk about being a sanctuary, right? And so there's five things. And, and you might think, well, uh, we're scattered. There's too many things, right? But I submit to you, actually, even in the way we've framed it, we've, we've got it right. That that very first one is a grounding for a reason. We are grounded, we are rooted in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. If we were to lose that one and keep the other four, we would lose everything, wouldn't we? We, we, we would no longer be the church. If we were to lose the other four and keep the one thing, we would be hobbled and, and really struggling as a church. And you might even be able to argue that like, that's just not going to sustain itself for any amount of time. But we would have the one necessary thing. And so it's the one necessary thing, being grounded and rooted in the person and work of Christ, that is us as a church, but it should also be you in the pews. And on top of that, gets built the rest of your life. And if we forget what that grounding is, and here I'm talking to you personally, in your own walks, in your own personal lives, and if you forget what that grounding is, well then we've lost a sense of what is indeed the one necessary thing. And what we're talking about this morning, is, I mean, at its core, I guess, what we're talking about is uh, what are called first things or first principles. What is most important, and what is most important in your life is that you have some kind of regular, routine relationship with Jesus Christ, who is your Lord and your Savior. And from there, you can then build something on top of that. But if that grounding is missing, I want to drive home a point and leave you feeling just a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I want you to take uh, just a couple minutes uh, of your own time. You can use the song that we're going to sing uh, in a moment here uh, to do just a, a little bit of an audit mentally of your day-to-day -day life. Like, what does your day-to-day -day life look like? I wake up in the morning at what time, and what do I do first, and what do I do next, and, and how does it look, and, and then uh, how does the day proceed, and, and then what happens in the evening, and then ask yourself that, that one thing that's necessary that Jesus makes ever so clear in our passage for today, where does that fit into your day? Where does that fit into your day? Where does prayer fit into your day? 
or, or where does scripture reading fit into your day or the spiritual disciplines of some kind fit into your day? And if it doesn't, well, let's evaluate. Let's make some changes. Let's make some commitments and say, you know what? I need to fix that. Because it's not too late. It's not too late to fix that at all. This is a great day to start something new. There is one thing necessary. And I'll say this. If, if you begin each day in prayer and you find that one thing necessary, David, well, his, his thing continues, his, his verse continues, and he says, as I've already read, one thing have I asked of the Lord uh, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in his house all the days of my life, and I will gaze on his beauty, and I will inquire in his temple, and then he goes on to say, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. And he will lift me high upon the rock. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we come this morning and um, I imagine most of us in this room confess that we have not sat at your feet nearly enough and we have not inquired in your temple and we, not have, we have not gazed upon your beauty but God, I know the hearts of these people and I know that they desire to and I know I desire to and so God, today on this day I choose to we have come here to this place. We come here every Sunday, Lord, to be in your house and to gaze on your beauty. This is what we are doing in this moment. But God, we ask that this moment and the moments that surround it, will they stretch into Monday and into Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday until we come back again next Sunday. And that every day be a day where we sit at your feet and we inquire of who you are and we be transformed into your image that we might have a grounding from which to serve. And we pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll sing one final song. Open our eyes, Lord.